Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on Friday morning here. Joined by Allison Lucan. Hello. And Tom Reed. Hello. Uh, the Blue Jackets coming off a less than less than attractive 3 nothing loss to the Islanders last night. Kind of a thud after a four-game winning streak. The win in Vegas, the win against the Capitals, and they kind of laid an egg last night. But full marks to the Islanders because they, man, were they dialed in last night as they have been most of this season. Um, really not much going for the Blue Jackets all night. Um, and so they're, the winning streak is over. They try to get it back together again uh, on Saturday in Chicago. The um, Islanders are a really interesting story here, and I think it does relate to the Blue Jackets. We have a story up right now just about the lesson the Blue Jackets were taught last night and one that they may be learning from the Islanders in the very near future. Look, we, nobody can say, even Jarmo Kekalainen at this date can't say what's going to happen with Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin. I think the, the, if you want a, a quick synopsis right now, I think it's probably less than 50-50 Bobrovsky gets moved. A, he's got a no-move clause. B, there's not a huge market for, for goalies right now. And I think it's still a little better than 50-50 that Panarin gets traded, but no guarantee there either. But even if these guys survive the trade deadline in Columbus, at some point soon, perhaps next year, um, uh, would would be the the start of it. The Blue Jackets will have to learn to play without Bob. They'll have to learn to play without Panarin. Now there will be attempts to replace those guys. They'll reshuffle the roster. Uh, but I think the Islanders stand as a really good um, example that life does go on. And as Anders Lee said. You know, it goes on, and it's pretty good sometimes. They lost Jonathan Tavares last year in free agency. Everybody doomed them to last place in the East, and here they are first place in the Metro. Um, under Barry Trotz, they made a couple of other changes. The two goaltenders have been fantastic, the top two safe percentages in the league. Um, we have a story up right now on the on the site about this, but uh, Tom Allison you look at this Islanders team, A, it's really, really impressive. But B, if you're the Blue Jackets, I think it is a reminder that this game is about more than star players. It's certainly about more than a player on any team. And should it stand as hope for the Blue Jackets that all is not lost, even if Bobrovsky and Panarin are lost? And we'll go first to Allison to take this uh, fastball right out of the gate. Yeah, I, I know I'll go quickly because I know Tom has a lot of, of thought put into this as well. But I, I, yes, obviously, um, there's a lesson here. We've pointed to them previously about how to handle the actual transactions of, of the star of the free agents. But I think this result that we're seeing is the bigger lesson. And you had this in your story, Porty, and Josh Anderson said last night, too, you know, look at look at what Vegas did last year. Um, yeah. There is something to be said about rallying around a cause and and finding that sum of the sum being greater than its parts. I I don't know that it's a recipe for long-term success. You know, there is some research that hockey is a strong link game, meaning you do need that high-end talent ultimately. But I think the Islanders are showing that you don't have to have that high-end talent to 
to be able to be successful um, in the face of, of loss of your quote unquote star. Yeah. Tom, bat this thing around. I've got more thoughts, but bat this around what you've been thinking about this. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's no question. It's, um, they've had a terrific year. Uh, I, I think to, to your initial question, I mean, there's still, there's still a, a good nucleus of players here, but let's, let's be honest. And, and it's a matter of, are they going to get anything, whether it be a first round draft picks and, but yeah, I, I think the Islanders have, 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 you bring in a new coach, you bring in a new general manager. And I think one person that should not be lost in all this is Mitch Korn, their goaltending coach, because he's basically been working with two, what do you think? Well, how, what would you, uh, Thomas, Thomas Grice is a, a journeyman backup, backup goalie. Um, Robin Leonard, great story about what he's kind of dealt with. Uh, but I don't think anyone thinks of either one of those guys as high-end goalies. And Mitch Korn has really, really done a nice job with them. And Barry Trotz has done a great job. And I think what it tells you, too, is maybe free agents in the offseason look at that team maybe a little bit different than they had, they had in the years past when they were, oh, it was just the Islanders. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's certainly a positive for them. Um, I've been thinking about this, too. Like, w- the one thing that does when Tavares leaves, and I-, I think the players in the Islanders' room yesterday were – went out of their way to say that there's no hard feelings with Tavares. He did what is his right to do. They, they even used a lot of the same words that the Blue Jackets are using right now, speaking about Bobrovsky and Panarin and them exercising their rights to do this. Uh, but it clearly put a chip on their shoulder, uh, especially to have everyone say, oh, God, they're awful. It's going to take them years, yada, yada. And it, to me, it reminds me of the 16-17 Blue Jackets where they, they had those just awful years, 14-15, 15-16. And it put on their, it put a chip on their shoulder, and it made them a really good regular season team, 108 points. They've had a hard time sort of rediscovering that, that that um, that drive and that passion. Um, sometimes that can be the most powerful motivator in sports is proving people wrong. But I, I think the it, it, I think the issue that the Islanders may face, and I think it's one that the Blue Jackets have faced is the not having a guy like Panarin doesn't resign you to a, to being an awful team necessarily, especially if if you've got depth and you've got a really good nucleus of talent as the the blue jackets clearly do, but it's in the postseason. It's the difference makers at the elite players that the other teams have to take account of. And so I think the Islanders are a great story. It, It doesn't take me to say that they're in first place. Um, they're allowing like more than a goal less per game than they did last year, which is incredible. Um, but what can this team do when it does get to the playoffs? And I, I think, you know, as it stands right now, Pittsburgh would play the Islanders, the Blue Jackets would play Washington. Tom, you've got some interesting thoughts on, on what this could look like um, if the standings stay in a similar pecking order as we go into March and what, what teams might do the jockeying of positions, if, if, if you will, as we go through here. Well, I, I first, I want to go back to a, a point at that. Allison made a really good point on the idea that, that, that grit and working together and connectivity and all the cliches we bat around, I think only take you so far with absent talent. At some point you're going to have to have that talent. And, and again, first of all, let's, 
Matthew Barzell is a really good player. Anders Lee is a really good player. So they do have a little bit of talent. Let's not let's not short uh, let's not be short sighted here that they, that they don't have some good players because they do. But I think one of the if you look from a history history lesson, this kind of reminds me of the oh my goodness, um, it was the Penguins' first Stanley this most recent run of Stanley Cups, which would have been uh, what was that sixteen. 16 or 17, that when they, they, they won two in a row their first year. Anyway, <clears throat> late in the season, I, I think we talked about this in the last podcast. I said, if I'm the Blue Jackets, I want the Islanders. I want the Islanders. They remind me of teams that make this meteoric rise up, up the uh, division charts, win a division. And that year, the Islanders were really smart. Late in the year, uh, they, they kind of looked at the Florida Panthers and said, yeah, you won the division. You had a great season, but we want you. We we want you. And they started playing backup goalies and resting guys, and they dropped below the Rangers, and they got Florida and knocked them out in the first round. It's their only playoff win since 1993. And, and it, I can remember the Rangers kind of doing the same thing to the Atlanta Thrash, Thrashers years ago when yeah. the Thrashers were a huge surprise. And I think it was the Southeast Division at the time. And the Rangers just kind of, oh, oh, we lost a couple games here, whatever, and Oops. ended up playing Atlanta and sweeping them in right. the first round. I'm not saying that would happen to the Islanders because I would never necessarily bet against a Barry Trotz team. But I don't think I don't I still think there's a lot of teams when you're looking at Pittsburgh that has multiple cups under with Sidney Crosby and Washington, which has just won a cup. You look at the, the alternatives there. You're saying, eh, you know what? Islanders are having a great season, but um, I think I'll take my chances against Thomas Thomas Grice and Robin Leonard in a seven-game series. And the team that does that deserves to really screw up and play Tampa Bay in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to got to be smart. You got you got to get it right. And I, you know, all the time on here we talk about matchups in the playoffs. To me, it's the most important thing when you get it. it's not necessarily records or whatever. It's matchups. The regular season is like Las Vegas. What happens there stays there. Oh, God. Oh, my. Um, that, that game last night, I mean, holy. And here you are, Tom, saying that's the team the Blue Jackets should want. That was that was a uh, it was a real challenge for them. What were they doing, the Islanders, Allison, that made, that made Columbus look – it made – I don't think they were, but it made them look – it looked slow – it looked like they were disengaged. They just couldn't muster. Yeah, I mean, their their play in the neutral zone was just. I, I we were using all kinds of adjectives last night: sludgy, quicksand, um, right. just really slowing them down there. And then, you know, the other thing that the Islanders did so effectively was, and you know, Tort said post game, "Oh, the scoring chances are probably going to be close." They were. I think in, at even strength, the Jackets had two more than the Islanders and the shots are going to be close. They were, the Jackets had two more than the Islanders. The Jackets had uh, 16 more shot attempts than the Islanders, but where the Islanders won was in the high danger areas, right? And if you, if you look at where the shots came from, the Jackets just weren't getting to those dangerous areas. So first of all, they couldn't really transition transition effectively. And when they got into the zone, um, I think Tom said this too. They were a lot of times one and done, you know, one shot and then out of the zone. Um, and when they got those shots, they just weren't coming from areas. I, 
one stands out to me. I think it was the beginning of the second. And Nick Felino fires off a shot from just below the blue line, and no one is in the zone with him to even collect a rebound or a, a wonky bounce. And right. that's not going to get it done. No. I bet those players got a scolding from their mothers last night. <laughs> um, I, I got the list here. I think there's 17 or 18 uh, players who have moms or mom representatives, if you will, with them for the first ever Blue Jackets mother's trip. Uh, so they were in town for the game last night, uh, hooting and hollering in a private suite. They'll, they'll be at practice today, although as one mother said, I have, I've seen plenty of practices. <laughs> at least this one's not at like 4 a.m. to drive in there. True. Exactly. So they may be uh, they may be out and about elsewhere, uh, but then they're flying with the team to Chicago. They're going to have a uh, a team dinner tonight in Chicago. They are just talking to a few of them last night. They are so excited about this. This is long overdue. Uh, Amy Jones, the mother of Seth Jones, has been pestering uh, the Blue Jackets all the way back to the summer of 2017. Um, saying, how come it's the fathers that always go on this trip and it's the moms that do most of the driving and the, and the, the uh, hanging out of practice, carting the kids back and forth to practices. Uh, so they're finally doing a mother's trip. And I, I don't know that this is official, but it looks like it feels like they're going to do father's trip, mother's trip and alternating years now, which is a really good idea. Um, and I love this. They were like, you know, the moms were like, no, I'm not rooming with my kid. Get us a, get us separate rooms. We want to have fun. The players can't go out the night before the game, but we can. Um, so they're going to they're well, keep an eye out on Chicago because it could be an interesting affair for the, for the moms of these players. But th- this does seem like something that is, it makes so much sense, almost so much sense that you wonder why it hasn't happened until now. Allison, you want that one? <laughs> I mean, Obviously, I agree. I, you know, you, you already explained exactly how much moms give up. And the, when you ask players, they always talk about how much their moms in particular supported everything that had to go into them becoming the player that they are now. Everything from driving to the rink, to cooking the food, to cleaning the gear, to cleaning the uniforms, to you know, oh. all of those things. Yes. And, and oftentimes doing it for multiple children at multiple ages, at multiple ranks, at multiple teams. (laughs) So um, I think it's long, long, long overdue. I think it's important to acknowledge, you know, how many different people are involved in these players reaching the heights that they reach. I think it's fantastic. I think that it's great that they're taking them to a fun city where they're going to be able to enjoy themselves outside of the hockey. Um, I hope the guys are able to enjoy it a little bit too. I mean, we all know how, how our moms can be as much as we love them, but I hope that there are some really special moments that come out of this because I know those women are just proud as, as all get out about what, what their sons are accomplishing. Yeah. Zach Wierenski's mom said, I've already gotten eight eye rolls from him. (laughs) This was like first intermission last night. Uh, It is funny how like you forget how young these guys are. But for a lot of them, they're still in, maybe some of us never get out of this mode, uh, they're still in the mode of being embarrassed by their moms at certain times. Yeah. Um, especially on so, especially on social media. Um, <laughs> so, and one parent said that she met with her kid and said, all right, now tell me what I can and can't do on social media 
this weekend and the kids <laughs> said mom have a good time like go awesome. go for it that's awesome because um, you know they gotta you know who knows how you know social media can work and how things can catch fire and go tom any thoughts on this um mother's mother's trip rather than the dad's trip no i i think you guys you guys covered the entire ground i mean it's, it's long overdue uh, as allison mentioned it's you know oftentimes it's the moms the ones hauling them to practice and and getting up really early and making sure they're all off and and all that so yeah it's absolutely it's it's nice the blue jackets are doing it maybe they should have done it before but uh, if, if, as, as you have said that they may start alternating that, that would be awesome. And, uh, and, and, and we've gotten to know some of these moms over the years and just great people. Uh, some of the guys that have been here for a few years. And so yeah, it's yeah, good. It's good for them. Good. And a great city to go out in. So, although Mrs. Rorensky's not getting much of a trip, right? I was just thinking about that. She, she's from Detroit. It's right down the road. I'm going to take them to Florida. Yeah, well, right. Although it's, right, yeah, it's Vancouver. Get the moms out to Vancouver. What's awesome is that a couple of, well, four of the moms were out in Vegas, Vegas. last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right, right. Trial run, right. Boone's mom is just like making the circuit. She's, yeah, she's unbelievable. Good for her. I think Josh's mom was out there too, along yep. with Seth Jones and... I think Mrs. Wierenski, right? Do they ever? Do these people ever go home? <laughs> Wait, well, Mo, you you just got done telling us how much they sacrificed. Now you're saying they're partying too much. We, come uh, on. Well, and listen, I think, that, I think that's that's actually a good a good note too. Is you know there is these players know what they're signing up for as as do their parents, and there are certainly a lot of perks. But there's a lot of stuff about this world for them that you know, maybe your neighbor or, or your best friend since childhood doesn't understand about That's this right. world. And I think that it's, it is really great too, for these mothers, these parents to have a community too, where they can get to know each other, lean on each other through challenges or experiences. Or, I mean, that's just a, that's just a nice thing too, I think. So good for them for getting to know each other and building those relationships. That's, that's part of what this is all about too, right? Yeah, they were saying last night too that like you know you know what you you have an idea what your kid does for a living obviously, but sometimes kids don't think to mention the, the little things the, the and it's not them taking for it for granted in in terms of not appreciating it but not thinking of it as something significant to mention, right? And so when they hop when they when they are pulled up on the tarmac. And walk right off of the bus and get right onto the plane. You go, oh, that's pretty cool. There's no check-in process an hour and a half before here. Right. right. Um, you know the oh wow, there's Wi-Fi on the plane and I can have my laptop out on takeoff. Are you kidding me? Right. Like all these little things. We go right to the hotel. Look at this service. This is unbelievable. It's a pretty good way to live. Uh, and some I think players get used to it after a while. It's um it has to be exciting for the moms to to see. Uh, what it's like on the inside and, and how well they're taken care of. Uh, I think for the Blue Jackets, the timing of it is interesting, too, because it it may be a very useful distraction mm-hmm. uh, as we're getting ever closer to the trade deadline. Um, and I want to touch on this really quick. We, we've talked ad nauseum about Bob and Brad, Panarin and Bobrovsky, and how these guys may or may not be on the move. Um, let's look at it from another perspective, not what the Blue Jackets might lose, but 
what they might need. And I think we all agree, yes, if Bobrovsky is traded, again, it seems probably at this point less than 50-50, they'll, they'll need a goaltender to patch that gap. Maybe Cam Talbot, maybe Jimmy Howard. If Panarin leaves, they'll, they're going to make an attempt to, to bring a top six forward back in. But forgetting about those two spots for a while, what does this team need? What should Jarmo Kekalainen go be going after or be thinking about heading into this trade deadline beyond those two spots? And, and, and if those guys move, the follow follow up and the fallout, whatever. Where are the soft spots on this roster as you guys, as you guys see it at this date? Tom? Well, I mean, the easy one is the depth defenseman. They're, they're going to, but that's, you know, every year about this time, uh, you probably, you, you know, in case you do make a long run, the injuries are going to, injuries are going to happen. Uh, right now, I think going into the playoffs, no, no offense to young team Kukon, but uh, that's probably a spot where you would see them bring in an extra, extra defenseman. Um, I know that I, I think Marcus Nudevara, after having a really good start to this season's kind of struggled over the second half of the year too. And while uh, Scott Harrington has been, you know, he's finally bro- kind of broken into the lineup and had a, a, a nice season. You still, that's, that's a spot. The other spots I think you've kind of covered because, you know, are that, would they bring in a center? It's, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine them making a big splash move and keeping Panarin. So I think the other ones are kind of corresponding for me. Right. Interesting. What do you see, Allison? Tom, I thought you were going to go on your center rant. Well, again, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I just, I just don't know. Like if you don't make, I can't imagine, I just can't imagine Yarmo saying we're keeping Panarin and now we're going to go get Matt Duchesne. <laughs> I think it would almost have to be, we're getting going to go ahead and get rid of one and then, okay. Then we're going to go after Matt Duchesne, or we're going to get Matt Duchesne right now, but we are getting rid of Panarin. I just think he, you have to at least have a little bit down the road. I don't think they, I don't think you damn the torpedoes in a season like this. Let's just put it that way. Interesting. No, I, I think um, I agree. Tom already covered the defenseman route, and we saw what kind of an impact that can have on this team when they added Ian Cole last year, right? So um, that's again just thinking about. But you know that's. It's not to it's not to diminish this current squad, but the lift I think would be significant. Um, it's also interesting because I you know I've talked about this all year. For some reason, this team is is giving up a lot more in terms of shots against and looks against than they historically have, and so just bolstering that overall defensive focus I think would be important. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean. How how much is Duchesne going to cost unsigned, or do you think they do you think they'd let him talk to a team before the deadline? Uh, I think uh, hypothetically. Yeah, I definitely think they would. I, I mean, at last check, I don't and I don't think anybody thinks either one of uh, Duchesne or Stone are going to resign with the Senators. Right. Um, but at last check, the Senators have not put a for sale sign up yet either because they they've still talked as though they wish to sign. These players, I think that might be what the weekend is like. All right, guys, here's the deal. Here's what we can offer. If you're not interested, we're going to have to move you. Uh, and so things maybe get cranked up next week. Um, and and I've we've all talked about this. If you're Yarmo Kekalainen and, and you're going to trade Panarin, 
and then you're going to replace him perhaps with a Duchesne or a Stone. If you can, why not go get Duchesne or Stone now? Well, exactly. And then make the Panarin trade. But here's there's there's a couple of, of, of thoughts about that. Maybe you don't have the resources to get either of those players until you make the Panarin trade. Yeah. In other words, you may not yeah. have enough prospects or picks because – to get that. The other thing is, those are both UFAs. Correct. And if and I've been saying, you know what, if you're gonna lose Panarin, but if you're gonna keep him, but you think you can you can add Duchesne, go get Duchesne. Well, now you've got three UFAs that could leave. Right. And you've unloaded a lot of pieces to get Duchesne too. Yeah. Well, so, and that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if the flip of what we talked about with a Panarin or a Bobrovsky, if you if you hypothetically, if you could have conversations with a Stone or a Duchesne, that Ottawa allows that, and you can get certainty that that player will re-sign with you, yes. do you make that trade even if Panarin stays? If you, yeah, I, mean, if, I if think you, you do, right? Yeah, if, if you, you can. can. Right. I mean, that might be a first-round pick, a second-round pick next year, Bemstrom, Mm. Oh yeah, at least right. I mean, if 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 this guy's agreeing to stay, you're now you're talking a much different uh, right, package right. that you would be in a for yeah. Marchenko, Tarasov. I mean, you're, you'd be talking four pieces probably. Yeah. Don't forget, I'm, Ottawa's got to try to get something back because they don't have their first pick, right? That's right. They don't have their own. Yeah. So they're going to want a lot. Although you, 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 yeah, I I just don't see, uh, I may be wrong. I I mean, maybe other things can happen. Those two guys have gotten this far. I don't know why you necessarily would sign a long-term deal. Right. And I'll say this too, the, the theory that's out there and really the comments that are out there from, from general, general manager, Yermo Kekalainen, that he, he, doesn't want to let people into the room to negotiate with these guys into the room being, you know, um, figurative that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think if he has a deal in place with a team, that's really serious. I do think they grant permission to talk because you're not going to trade Bob. Uh, you're not going to trade Sergei Bobrovsky unless you do that. And so, you know, why just dismiss that out of hand? The other thing I keep coming back to is we're at the 15th here, so we've got 10 days uh, to the trade deadline. This can't this can't get serious as a lot of these do on the 24th, the 25th. Mm-hmm. No, there's no way if, if you've got if you've got to make this move and then a follow up move. I just worry we're, we're talking about going and getting a Duchenne first. I just worry about doing it um, the other way because. I think if you're the Blue Jackets and you unload Panarin and go calling to Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa has you over the barrel here because they know when you got rid of your guy, you really need a player, don't you? And I can't help but think that that sends the price up. So once again, we're we're all just discussing the finer points of, man, it's tough being Yarmo Kekalani. No, there's there's the, the thing about this whole thing, and we've said this from July until now there's no right answer there's mm-hmm. no easy there's no easy answer here no. what they're going to do no matter what they do here 
there's going to be people that say, oh, he should have done, he should have done the other thing. I'm, I'm still of the, I think it's interesting in that now they lost last night, but had they pulled, would they have pulled within three points of first place? They would have. Anyway, I, and I guess they are running out of time, but you know, they've got to decide whether let's, let's, let's go ahead and we, we've batted this around before too, but I mean, we're right here now. Does and others have made this made this case? Do you just say, okay, Panarin is going to be our rental? I don't think it's I. That's not the move I would make. But they've won four in a row. If they they come in and win the next couple games, and if they beat if beat Tampa Bay, does there become a thought like, you know what, Washington is not Washington, Pittsburgh's not Pittsburgh. Now again, I'm just saying this. I'm not I'm not believing it, but I'm just saying you could make a case that maybe let's keep them and let's see where we go. I just think it's just so wide open right now what they might do. Yeah, and there's a there's a push, there's a belief among many national writers. I think we've talked about this how this may be the first time that that I can remember, anyways, that the the local opinion of this club does not match the national opinion. There have been years where locally we've said, you know, this is a pretty good Blue Jackets team, even in the 108 point year, and the national perspective was, ah, I'm not <laughs> feeling it. And right. now we keep hearing national, really highly respected national writers saying, you know, they could win the cup, and and the locals are going, what? Have you seen <laughs> these guys? Like the cup, <laughs> that cup. Um, so you know, maybe you know, sometimes the outside perspective is is fresher and more accurate if you're not staring at it every day. Um, but I yeah, do think, yeah, I, I I do think part of it too is that that. That and I and I said this earlier. I'm not going to have to go back on what I said, but and this we'll see what happens in March. Porter, you and I were having this very conversation yesterday. One of the the tough things about the trade deadline is now is Washington is Pittsburgh going to write itself because Allison and I were saying this early in the year. They just don't look great, and right now they don't look great again. Yeah, you know, is this one of their years where they're just you know they're not going to be able to have that push? And is Washington with a new coach going to be able to make that push? Or it would be nice if we could see what they're going to do down the stretch because I I am a believer in what you do down the stretches. It does say something, not the whole regular season, but the the stretch run I think is sometimes important when you get your pieces in place. And I think that's where a little bit of this national stuff comes from. That they that some of these guys look around and say, you know, Pittsburgh doesn't look like the Pittsburgh of years past, and you know who knows what to expect with Washington with a right. new coach, and they're they're okay but not great. I think everyone kind of thinks it's it's Tampa, right? So yeah. it's it's a matter of can you get to the and and I think we would all agree. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. If they kept those guys and they got to the conference finals, I'd say that's you know what? Thank you, Artemi Panarin. Thank you, Bobrovsky. Good luck. We finally put this team. You know, the Blue Jackets have made the comp one one two rounds. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, and I think if they win a round, I think there's a percentage of people here that say it was worth it to keep them if they if they do. Yeah. I think if they win two rounds, I don't think you'll find too many people who say they oh, traded no. them. I think at that point, everyone would say, you know what, what a run this has been. Um, oh, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah. And I'm also dumb enough, naive enough to to wonder if they have a great run. You wonder if that might change. Opinions. You, you you wonder if that might, even if it doesn't change Panarin's mind, maybe it maybe it causes other UFAs to look at the situation in Columbus and say, you know, that's pretty damn attractive. 
Oh, I think that's one of the reasons why it's important for these guys to finish strong. I mean, yeah. whether those guys stay or not, I think if these guys were to, and I don't think this is going to happen, if they were to fall apart here down the stretch, I think that does like, yeah, you made the playoffs two years, but you're still Columbus. Whereas if you make the playoffs or at least make a, a, a darn good run to the playoffs, this, this team is, is, is looked at differently. You're, they are heading in the right direction. Look, look, yeah. at, look at some of the talent that's there. So I do think what they do down the stretch is going to be very important as far as uh, U, uh, UFAs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so Blue Jackets, Blackhawks tomorrow in United Center. I will uh, be making that trip. Tom, you're off to Montreal, Ottawa next week. Blue Jackets are home Monday to Tampa Bay. And then it really gets cranked up uh, with the trade deadline stuff. Again, it's a week from Monday, 25th. 3 p.m. is the trade deadline, so we're uh, coming into it here. Uh, Allison, what's going on with the uh, college hockey team up the street? Yes, there is actually a really good series coming this weekend. And I'll note, importantly, that the start times are 6, both Friday and Saturday, so a little bit earlier than usual. But these Buckeyes started the season ranked number one. They faltered a little bit early under that pressure, but boy, have they found their stride. They're ranked second in the nation and they could clinch at least a part of the big 10 title this weekend. Uh, They host Minnesota. So um, this is, they are really hitting their stride at the right time. They've had some key injuries and continue to win. Um, So check these guys out. This is, this is about to, to get into the good stuff for the, for that team. And Carson, you've got Carson Meyer, the Columbus kid. Yep. Went pretty damn well with Ohio State. Um, do you, there is a Blue Jackets prospect, yeah, with uh, Minnesota? Uh, Robbie Stucker is, is there, um, freshman, so not necessarily playing a ton. Um, right. But, yes, he is with the team. And, and Minnesota's in, in a bit of an interesting season. They're not seeing the success that they usually do. Um, so, um It'll be interesting because Minnesota also is the is the one team that took Ohio State to two ties um, in their earlier series this season. So I think, though they yeah. won't say it, the Buckeyes want a little bit of, of uh, revenge this weekend. Not just a part of that title, but let's show the Gophers who we think we are. Yeah, the goofy Gophers. Uh, okay, are the women playing at all this weekend? Women are off, um, and then they have um, big series next weekend. They they are in a bit of a bind here. They need to get some wins and get some help to get a chance to return to the NCAA tournament. So um, watch that. It's going to be some interesting times, not just with their team, but what other teams do around them. Indeed. All right, anything else we need to get to, guys? I'm going to throw something out uh, right Please. now. Please. Uh, Sunday is Hockey Day in America. Uh, NBC does a great job every year with that. Um, and, you know, that this is like the sixth or seventh year they've done it. And I, I always enjoy it because it's not just the games, but it's the stories a lot of times based in the cities where the games are being played. That's right. I think this year it's uh, Pittsburgh, Minnesota. And I think the, the headquarters for it this year is in Detroit. And again, they, they, there'll be some great, uh, not only games, but uh, some stories and stuff. I would love to see them do this. I know we've talked a lot about the outdoor game. I think this is a city that needs to be Columbus, Ohio needs to get a hockey day in America game because I think uh, the nation needs to kind of see what's going on here. When Aaron, you and I talk about this with a draft pick, you know, the guys that are now coming, coming out of Columbus, not just out of Ohio state, as Allison was just saying, 
the two hockey programs that are doing really well. But just the, the, this scene that we talk about a lot, that we write about a lot, uh, you know, just a fresh, a, a fresh face on the on the landscape. And I, uh, I think, I think, I, I would hope that hockey, hockey day in America here in the next year or two, uh, kind of broadens itself a little bit. Uh, and I think they, they could find some tremendous stories here to tell in Columbus. Because that's really what it's about, right? Yeah. I mean- it's about the roots of it and where it started in the in the traditions of place where it is the places where it's just part of the culture. But I think the real story of, of hockey in America is how it has grown. We've talked for years about it. It's popular where it is, but unlike the NFL and Major League Baseball, uh, it doesn't connect the dots between cities. In other words, if you don't have it in your town, right. the chances of there being an NHL city is, is pretty bleak. Um, but Columbus has always loved Major League Baseball. It connects. It's got Cincinnati. It's got Cleveland. All over this country, there's an imprint from NFL, from Major League Baseball. Hockey is still sort of connecting, uh, still trying to get the, the dots connected. But the real success stories of, of this venture, of Gary Bettman's move south, which he takes a ton of credit, a ton of criticism for, but it's the birth of the cities like Columbus as hockey markets. Uh, of Florida, believe it or not, like a right. hockey market. They've started to turn out players. Texas, California especially. Vegas. Um, Vegas. We always go back to this. Like uh, Columbus's, Columbus had Connor Murphy drafted. Uh, he moved to Dublin when he was a young lad with his dad. Uh, and for all intents and purposes, he he developed here. Um, Jack Rostovic, a first-round draft pick, also in Columbus. It took Pittsburgh. When are they? When are they? Sixty-seven, Tom. Yeah, well, that, they came in with that expansion group. I yeah. can't remember sixty-seven, sixty. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It, R.J. Umberger was the first first-round draft pick to come out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. We're talking almost forty years, right? And so Columbus is way ahead of the curve. Uh, it doesn't have, of course, the the history of that Pittsburgh does as grassroots hockey. Um, but it, it, it's done a remarkable job in less than two decades. Uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that that would be you'd like to see it come to these um, the new markets that have that are such a success story. But they continue to sort of celebrate this. It's the same. They celebrate the same teams that they celebrate in the outdoor game. It's the same. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah, and I think yeah. it, where, 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 you know, during the regular season, Look, we understand it's a business. Everything is a business. And we know that even at The Athletic, it's a business. Uh, so during the regular season, Chicago is going to be on eight or nine times a year. The Rangers, even as bad as they are this year, are going to be on a ton. Um, but, but this, to me, this day, Hockey Day in America, speaks to growth. As you, I think you pointed out right at the beginning. And I think at some point here soon, uh, I think there's, there's some good stories to tell for NBC and NBCSN. Uh, here in Columbus. Yeah, yeah and if I if I can jump on that real quick too, Tom, I'm so glad you brought that up because another part of of Hockey Day in America is the final game of the rivalry series between Women Team Canada and Women Team USA. Right. And if if you loved the whole Kendall Coin Sheffield skating the fastest lap in, at the All Star game, she's playing in these games. If you loved the gold medal game in last year's Olympics. Many of those players are playing in these games and the the game is actually in Detroit. So if you want to head up there, you can. It's at noon. It's on NHL Network. And 
honestly, if you've not seen women's hockey, I challenge you to tune in even for five minutes. And I would guarantee that if you don't know the game, you're going to be surprised and impressed with what you see. And, and to your point, growing the game, the way that game grows is by interest and by people paying attention and people demanding more. So um, check that out as well as part of the day. Excellent. All right, guys, thanks for the time as always. It is uh, Friday. We're going to head up to the rink here for practice. First practice Blue Jackets had in a week. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. They, I mean, they have the morning skates, but yes. Yeah, sure. yeah. No, no, no. Unless it's a gas day. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, off to Chicago on Saturday. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Uh, ah! to the oh. What's wrong? Simon wants a walk. Oh, it'll be the Tuesday after the uh, Lightning game. So thanks for reading, watching, listening. We'll uh, talk to you guys soon, and have a great day. 